<laughs> Jim hitting something upstairs. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh my, I'm just like completely thrown off. Yeah, uh, discombobulated. Hey strangers, welcome to another episode. Oh, I didn't even do that right. What is up, sincere strangers? <laughs> welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I am The sloppy all, sessions. The sloppy <laughs> sessions. I am just not 100% today. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. As always, I am Kurt, and I am joined by my luxurious co-host, Ooh, Krista. I am rather luxurious. Sitting across the table from me. How are things on that side of the table? Um, It's dark over here. It is dark. We were just talking about over the... I'm sorry, real quick. You don't want to listen to us talk about uh, <laughs> or me try home to, renovations or, or... me try to do an intro for the episode. Yeah, or like the, the weather... Or a taste test. Just hit pause. Check the show notes. Uh, the actual timestamp of the topic start will be listed there. But anyway. And thank you, YouTube person, whoever goes in and yeah, keeps putting. Whoever that guy because is. I don't know how to do that. I uh, want to give some. Sh- some sh- oh, I am a having shout a. Some shout out. I'm, I'm having a hard time Dang. today. You can tell we're getting to the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Three episodes we, left, people. Yep. Including shout outs one. to our newest stranger. And we only have one. Only and that one? is Easton Chandler Hawk. Oh, yes. And there's kind of a cool story there behind is. that. That. Jeremy Ryder sent us. We think us, it's Jeremy, right? Yeah, it is. Well, I it, it might not be. I know we're getting some packages from Jeremy because yeah. we have one today. But we're getting some packages from him. And then Krista got... So uh, he, this guy followed... What's it, Easton? Yeah. He followed us on Instagram. And then I checked out his um, profile. And he has like really cool artwork that's mm-hmm. like Mothman. Or mm-hmm. he also... There's a bunch of stuff. He does. He's really talented. Really cool stuff. Um, and then he, I followed him back because I thought it's a cool channel to follow, channel, yeah. cool profile to follow on Instagram. And he reached out and said, hey, um, one of your fans ordered something from my sh- Etsy shop for you guys. So I decided to check out your uh, podcast and he's like really into it. So now we have a new listener just through that. <laughs> That's so cool. And I guess whoever. And he sent like a really sweet message. That was awesome. Yeah. He said um, the fan, we think maybe Jeremy ordered a print for us and he liked our show so much he threw in an extra print for free that's so awesome <laughs> so Easton, thank you so yeah, much yeah i'm so excited to see what it is add it to our awesome walls but of, he uh, is our one and only artwork. new stranger yeah but i want to give a shout out as always to my students now my ex-students yeah and i want to give a special shout out to serenity one of the students that said she finally listened to the the podcast and she said she cried when she listened to Aww. it because she misses me and she i miss you voice. too serenity that's sweet and brenna student brenna that has listened to every episode she is amazing she's getting a hat she's getting a hat so yep. i bought her hat and brenna i don't know how to contact you because i don't have a school email address anymore mm. so brenna email me at the strange sessions at gmail.com and i will figure out how to get your cap to you it's sitting right over here by me now so i will get that to you somehow so email us at the strange sessions at gmail.com and i will get it to you thank you so much for listening and for just being so awesome like i miss my students i had i told you this i had a couple crying fits this week mm-hmm. because i just miss them and it just sucks but You're going through a big change. Yeah. You know, for as much as people said the students needed me, I think I needed them oh, heck twice yeah. as bad as they needed me. So yeah, that is what we have for shout outs. Any housekeeping? 
Um, I wanted to mention that the final book club episode mm -hmm. for 2023 is going to be recorded on the 18th of this month. So November 18th, it's our next recording session. And we need your reviews of The Last House on Needless Street by the 17th. Yep. Krista finished it. I did. I finished it well in advance. I'm already like a quarter of a <laughs> way through a new book now. And like we were talking before we started recording that, like looking at Reddit reviews of the book, people either love it or hate it. And I loved it. I was so it was hard for me to go into it because you you kind of like ha gave me this foreboding feeling around it that like there it's going like to be an real animal dark abuse, child yeah abuse. and there wasn't there wasn't much there as far I mean child abuse yes but yeah but you re realize towards the end it's not it's not what you thought it was you really at all there's yeah. a big twist it's yeah. a good book it, it was a good book like I we'll love it save it, it for the episode. save it for the episode so that's coming up yeah the end of the season is coming up that's all I have for housekeeping is end of season coming up and uh we're gonna get of the studio a little makeover during the winter break jim and i are going to take all this awesome stuff off the walls and paint everything kind of a creamy white just to brighten it up down here because yeah. it is so dark down here it is dark down here and maybe get a big carpet remnant to put down here too just to warm it up a little and i mean we have a rug but i mean it barely fits under this table but i'm gonna probably do some rearranging of furniture well yeah because we plan if you if you guys hear stuff during the episode it's now go sounds <laughs> Jim this time doing jim is working upstairs. yeah he was working He's upstairs got his impact drill so there's going. been no spookiness here that you no, told it's me been about very quiet yeah I so a, I've been ever having, since i put the charm up by my front door it's been quiet i've been having weird synchronicity like oh, yesterday really? actually i was on my way to work and i was driving i was listening to the sofa king podcast and it was like a question and answers episode and somebody asked them what their favorite fast food french fry is mm. so i'm listening to them talk about it and brent is talking about like how good mcdonald's fries are when they, you get them hot and stuff yeah you gotta get them hot i'm though. thinking oh i could totally go for some mcdonald's fries and then i turn a corner and there's a guy getting out of his car and he's holding mcdonald's, McDonald's fries, fries. So <laughs> that was so weird yeah uh but yeah other than that no i had like spookiness at work yeah, i told you, did. you that i was sitting by my machine one day by the table by my machine and i'm sitting there and all of a sudden it was like, imagine a cat hopping up on the table and then just exhaling on your arm. Like, just Maybe sighing Narnie on your arm. You That's work. what I thought. That was, like, one of my first thoughts. Like because it was like this, it was like a cat, like, sighed and just went, and I felt like the breath. And there was, like, nothing there that would have caused that. Was it warm or cold? That. It was warm. And oh, there was weird. nothing there that would have caused that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was hmm. weird. But where were we going with this? End of the season is coming up. Yeah, given the uh, studio a makeover. Next episode will be a missing 411 spotlight. And it's and going then, to be a full video episode that we're going to post And Chris is going to try YouTube. doing a full video. So we're going to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, because the goal for next season is to do all video. Yeah. So we're going to... We'll talk more later this season yeah. about what we want to do some stuff for next season. But we, we're going to we're gonna mix it up. We're going to try... I'm going to try not reading the entire episode we're yeah gonna... we said nobody's gonna want to watch a video of kurt reading and me just sitting there listening to kurt read <laughs> yeah so we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna try effect. to get more conversational and yeah. stuff so that's for that's for next season um hey just a reminder guys christmas is coming up and a strange sessions baseball cap might be a great gift for that loved one it might be i thought you were gonna go somewhere with the strange <laughs> sessions christmas episode oh Corey, what my brother strange Corey, sessions, everybody christmas loves him we'll be here for the season finale yes and a potential christmas episode we'll see how I, we I feel know. See if, see if I'm they, not feeling it. You're not feeling it? Feeling nope. gringy. Yeah, feeling <laughs> gringy. So no, that's all I really have. Yeah, same. Should we jump into the taste Let's test? Let's do it. Let's taste that. Whatever. This one is also from... Do we have multiple taste tests today? Two of them. Okay. The first one I think is going to be from 
my cousin's kids, I think Taylor and those guys sent us this. Okay. And where is it? Yo. Did I not bring it? Is it in the car? Nope, it's here. Okay. It is another soda. Well, you actually had that hidden in your little laptop bag. <laughs> yeah, it is another <laughs> Somehow soda. Somehow got lost it's in there. It's not a nasty soda. <sighs> Allegedly. Well, it looks nasty, but it's not. Ooh, you're actually bringing it to me. Ooh. Kitty Piddle. It is called Kitty Kitty Piddle, <laughs> oh and it does. It God. looks like Kitty. It looks like it Kitty Piddle. Kind of does. It kind of <laughs> looks like lemonade, honestly. But well, it's pineapple orange, so it's going to be good because the last one we had that was a good, like the alien snot flavor was good. So that, but it, it looks disturbingly like cat An- pee. Another reason we need better lighting down here is because all of my pictures are just terrible. If I'm being honest, they're just dark. All of our episodes are terrible. Well, there's that. <laughs> I'm going to put it under this light. Entertain them, Kurt. So, I hope you guys had a good Halloween. Mine was super, like, not the greatest because I was, like, like Halloween night, I generally like to watch a movie or something like that, a scary movie and do all that, but that was, like, the week that I think I started the new job, so I didn't really have much of anything. I've been watching Expedition X. That's fun. This microphone is on, so people probably heard me grunting. Was I really watched young? the original Halloween on Halloween. I carved my pumpkin. The original Halloween is so good because it like, never gets old. If, no, and if you if you look back at it, it's not even bloody. No, there's re- no blood no, in it. It's at really all. not even bloody, and it's yeah. still like so scary. Yeah, yeah, it never gets old. I have to watch it every year. So are we ready for the kitty piddle? Oh, I guess. Is this a twisty? They all. It, have it's going to be right? good. I mean, pineapple orange. Those are yeah, two great flavors. Is this a twist top? Oh, maybe I'll have to open it. I don't it. think it is. Bring it over here. Oh, it smells good. It's going to be good. I have no doubts Kurt whatsoever. Keeps reassuring me. Bloop, bloop, bloop. I know I've reassured you from some some stuff that didn't end yeah. up being good, but mm-hmm. this will be good. Mm-hmm. Their soda is actually really, like, they're they're good. My, my pumpkin. Where do you get this kind of soda? I don't know where they got it. Just like all it's these Avery's. special things. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Avery's. Ready? I'm ready. Definitely, could I smelled the pineapple. Mm. Oh, it's good. It's subtle. It's, it's very not as, subtle. I expected more of a... I expected more pineapple, yeah, I guess. It's really good. Yeah. I'm going to give it an, an eight because I feel stomach? like they could have... No, that's my chair squeaking. Weird. Yeah. I've we're heard that have, a couple times. We're going to have to oil the chairs. It's. I expected more... General maintenance while we're on break. I'm going to give it hmm. an eight. I think they could have... I get a hint of both. Yeah, I think they could have bumped up the... I get the, pineapple on yep. the front end and orange on the back. Yeah. It's good. It does look like cat pee. It's not like... It does look like cat pee. It does not taste how I imagine cat pee would no. taste. And it's this, not super overly carbonated either, which I appreciate. I'm this, giving it an eight. This next one is from David Bond. David. He's, uh, he's given us good stuff, right? Yeah. Like, Has he ever is, given us a stinker? No, I don't think okay. so. This Ooh, is... Halva. I don't even know what this is. It's oh. from Greece. It's like a Greek. Oh, uh, sorry, is, guys. Um, it's also Middle Eastern. It's Calva. a product of Greece. It's like I don't, a sesame I have... seed. You're not allergic to sesame seeds, right? No, we're going to find out. Oh, let me take a picture. I've had halva. It's really good. We're going to find very, out. I think it's probably popular in multiple, but I've had more Middle Eastern halva. I've had this for a yeah. little while sitting at home. Terrible, terrible picture. Oh, we have to open this package. Yeah. <laughs> I can't forget the package. Yeah, that looks good. Ugh. I need it because I'm a, I'm a little concerned with the weight that I'm losing lately. 
Do you think it's just stress? Um, I'm not. Tr- I'm trying not to eat like snacky foods because of my tooth. I feel like is close to breaking, but I'm. I also I realize like that I am not eating as much lately as usual. So I'm just hoping nothing is seriously wrong. What does it smell like? Really good. So. Oh, that does smell good. That smells like it's sesame seeds. Really crumbly. Yeah. It's gonna fall apart. I love halva. It's so good. I'm. I'm excited, excited to try this. Had, like, this is cocoa. Coco halva. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. I love halva. Oh, that is really yeah. good. The texture is really different. This is classic halva. I didn't know halva was also Greek. Mm. Hmm. That's delicious. It's subtly sweet. That and I love really... the there's like a little bitterness from the to sesame be crunchy seeds. And it's not crunchy at all. Right. It's so good. Mm. Wow. I love halva. Oh my god, I'm gonna mm. give that a nine. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like mm. I've never had that before. It's delicious. I don't think I'm allergic to it because I don't feel my throat closing up. Well, that's a bonus. It tastes good, and Kurt's not gonna die today. Mm. I'd hate to die doing our podcast. Yeah, that'd be pretty awful. <laughs> that is really good. Holy cow! It's delicious. Mm. Dang. I'm bumping mine up to a ten. That is that is like perfect. It's you know not. What? I am too. Okay. I love the texture of halva. It there's like a tiny like a tiny crunch. It's I can't think of any anything to compare it oh. to texture wise. It's, and you it's wash very it down with texture. some kitty piddle. It's yeah. perfect. Mm. And Can we got me? a package to open from yeah. Jeremy. I'm like that, that. Yeah, my chair keeps making a squeaky I keep sound. It's not. Why is your stomach so quiet? Usually your stomach has made its debut by now. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Oh, and another thing I want for the studio before we come back for season eight. Oh season God, eight. Insane. Is a map so that we can mark off the states that we've covered. Oh, good idea. We like I would if you had like a bigger area, I would love to put all of our all of our missing four one one maps that we oh, have with yes. our missing four one one books. I, I think we're everything's coming off the walls, so we'll rearrange everything. We gotta be rich and then buy like a yes, building we where we can we can have all this stuff up. I so we're gonna be building built in bookshelves in our dining room and I'm gonna bring all the freestanding bookshelves down here okay. to put stuff on. Yeah. Like we all of our books but also like our merchandise can go on there other gifts that we get from our awesome listeners okay guys i finally got it <laughs> i'm excited to see what this is okay um it's etsy i do not have glasses down here so this is here do you want to read this because awesome. i oh, oh, oh. i'll wait tell. until you read it before i open it so this might be from merry christmas shop. from jeremy R. merry christmas jeremy Oh, I saw what it is. This is cool. Okay. Did, is there a note? It just, it just says Merry Christmas. Christmas. Is yep. it from that Easton shop? I don't think so. Okay. It says a note from your gift giver. Merry Christmas from Jeremy R. To the Strange Sessions. I'm not sure Ooh. if it's him or not. Okay. There's a couple things in here. Oh, maybe the, maybe he did put another. Maybe it is from Easton. No, these are not prints of any kind. It's squee. 
I know Squee. The company is called Squee. So there's a sucker in here. Oh, nice. And a keychain. Nice. Take a picture. And then there's something wrapped. Yep. So let me take a picture. Oh, did you see what that was? Yes, I saw what the wrap thing is. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to see it now. I'm not doing any of this justice. Yeah, we definitely need to come up with. It'll be better next season, I swear. We say that every season and we're going to be better. No, but I mean like the lighting down here. Yeah. I can't speak to us. But I feel like we're going to have to mix things up next season. Like you said, to stop reading. It's like a little tomato. Oh, that's cool. Is it a tomato flavored sucker? <laughs> and there's a little, the keychain is a little light. It's cute. And a dum-dum. What has a light? A mystery, I think a mystery flavored dum-dum. Oh god, what if it's tomato flavored? Okay, I'm open. No, that. mystery flavor is when I'm scared. Oh my god. Is this a um Nightcrawler? It's a nightcrawler. It's the Fresno it's the Fresno it's Night. So cute. It is super cute. It is a little Fresno nightcrawler. Oh, it actually stands up. Yeah, it's articulated. It's a yeah. it's a Fresno nightcrawler. That is adorable. Little figurine. It's so cute. This is so cute. Watch. It'll stand up. <laughs> that is awesome. We need to name him too. We do. I love this. Freddy the Fresno Nightcrawler. Jeremy, thank you so thank much. You, Jeremy, these are so cute. He said he got us some Christmas gifts. So this wow, is the that first. That's really sweet. I forgot to put Willie on my. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you thank so you, much. Aw. Fun. Yeah, we're going to definitely need to more, more room to put stuff up yeah. down here. I also want to make a point next season to start actually documenting who sent us what. I'd like to make... Well, Do you know how many gifts we have in here that I can't even tell you who they came from anymore? I know. I feel uh, so bad about that. I'm just going to kind of jump into what we're going to be talking about today, but I did, not, right I did not expect that listener suggestions would become a running thing. I like but that. I like that too, but I also am horrible with keeping track of who suggested what. Yes. So next oh, next season we, we to have better. to get better. I have to get better with cataloging people listeners' stories. I still haven't gotten into that <laughs> Gmail account yet. Uh, so I have to. We could have like twenty no, stories. No, I got to come up with spreadsheets and stuff so that we can keep track better of instead of doing this half arsed uh -huh. <laughs> whatever it is we're doing right now. You know, so we got to get better with this. So over Christmas break, that is something that I want to do is get better at the cataloging and keeping yeah. spreadsheets of you know because like Graphs one of the stories one of the ones we're doing today i don't remember who the heck suggested it it was it was years ago oh really yeah but it's like i didn't know well, a lot it could be just a comment on facebook it could be an email yeah like, but i have to get better at jotting that yeah, stuff down so today is another listener stories or listener suggestions episode. <laughs> like, what? We're doing Not a listener story stories. <laughs> listener suggestions episode. Okay. Well, I have three things that listeners have wrote in about. One of them, the first one, we had a call from Brad Medeiros. Brad. Strongly worded voice. Strongly worded because he suggested that I did something. And as typical Kurt, I forgot that he suggested mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. So now we are going to be doing that. But if you want to play his voicemail. Oh. Okay, let me get that That's going up. to be our first topic our first topic we have three the middle one i don't have a whole lot on but the last one is going to involve files off of there too that they're going to have to listen to 
So we just want to play Brad's voicemail to us. And I'm sorry, Brad, but we are finally getting to the story now. Kurt, this is your old buddy Brad from Killing, Missing, Hidden. Twice I have sent to your request to cover the Headless Valley, and twice you have ignored me, despite me sending you my own notes. I demand the strange sessions cover this topic by the end of the year. And hey, Krista, love you too. Bye. Oh my God, I'm literally dying over here. <laughs> He's so like, he sounds so menacing through the whole thing. And he's like, oh, hey, Krista. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of reminds me of when um, the Weasley mom, I can't think of her name right now. You've never seen any never of the movies, right? Nope. She sends one of the kids, I forget what it's called. It's like this message that opens up and yells at one of the kids in front of everybody, Ron. She's screaming at him and then she's like, well, hi, Harry. Or she says, well, hi, <laughs> yeah. Ginny. That's, that's kind of what that was like. It was totally that moment. Um. So I love, and you have ignored me twice. I have. So that's <laughs> one of the reasons we got to get better at this. Okay. So today, our first story is going to be about Canada's Nahani Valley. Okay. And that's what Brad Never wanted heard us of to this. talk about. I didn't either until he messaged me about it. And it's it's interesting. Like, I don't want to necessarily visit here, but it's interesting. <laughs> so no plan, no road as, trips. As planned. always, I want to start this off by apologizing for the shoddiness of this episode because sure, sure, sure. the last two weeks were really kind of crappy for me, and I haven't been like in a really good place mental wise. And I've been starting the new job and adjusting to a new sleep schedule, and being sore from the job. So apologies. Next season will be better. I promise. Uh-huh. I think I promise. <laughs> so. Here is the Nahani Valley. Are you ready? I'm ready. Dark mountain spires pierce the fog against this. Oh, I should probably say where this is from instead of just stealing it. <laughs> this Most of this comes from three articles. A December 11th, 2021 ancientorigins.net article called Valley of the Headless Men, Mysterious Decapitations in oh. Canada's Nahani Valley. Dang. Uh, Fodor's, yeah, I don't want to visit this place. <laughs> Fodors.com article from March 9, 2020 called The Haunting History of This Canadian National Park and a strangeoutdoors.com article from February 21st, 2018 called Mysteries of the Nahani Park Reserve in Canada. So it's already off Krista's <laughs> yep, tour list. checking that off the bucket list. Dark mountain spires pierce the fog against a steely sky, making Nahani National Park seem more similar to Mordor than Canada. Ooh. The park can only be accessed by boat or float plane by intrepid travelers seeking to conquer the rapids of the Nahani River or summiting the formidable Cirque of the Unclimbables. Those are mountains that I don't want to try climbing up a mountain that's called an unclimbable mountain. I'm guessing it's beautiful, though. It is. Its impenetrable forests and mountains may be the primary reason Nahani sees limited visitors, but perhaps it's also because the park is shrouded in spooky legends befitting of its menacing landscape. The supernatural lore has earned Nahani the moniker, quote, the Valley of the Headless Men, and many believe this UNESCO World Heritage Site to be haunted. Many people claim that the Nahani Valley is one of the last truly unexplored places in the world. Situated within the rugged northwest territories of Canada, well over 311 miles from the nearest city of Yellowknife, it is one of those nature's nooks that's preserved in spite of mankind's busy expansion. Reaching Nahani can be a challenge, if ever you find a reason to journey inside of it. 
It is hard to reach, and the best routes into it are via air, water, or a long overland journey from the abandoned village of Tungsten. We can barely make it to Door County. Can you <laughs> no, see us think, trying no, to get to this place? No, that would be half the humor of the episode would be you and I trying to, <laughs> to do this. It'd be like a whole reality show. It would. It'd be Kurt like a season. It would be like a place. season. <laughs> Getting lost. The valley is situated above the 60th parallel north, which puts it in line with the rest of Canada's wild territories. Cities and civilizations up north are few and far between, and surviving the wilderness can be challenging or even fatal for the inexperienced traveler. That would be you and I. Mm-hmm. When British writer and explorer Raymond Patterson set out to the Nahani region from Fort Smith in 1927, he received an ominous piece of advice, according to Neil Hartling in his book called Nahani, River of Gold, River of Dreams. That advice was, quote, men vanish in that country and down the river they say it's a damn good country to stay clear of. So they're basically saying don't Don't go, go here. Due to its remoteness, the Nahani Valley has remained largely untouched over the centuries. It's home to many diverse animal species, many which are predatorial. Large grizzly bears and timber wolves are the chief carnivores here, and people are seldom seen in this area. Historically, the lands around the Nahani Valley were home to the people, I think it's pronounced Dean, D-E-N-E, were home to the peoples of the Dean indigenous tribes who dwelt here for many centuries. It could be Dane, it could be Dean, I'm not sure. However, it seems that they never lived exactly along the Nahani River and its tributaries from which the Nahani Valley gets its name. Their oral histories passed down through generations speak of another tribe living there, the one called Naha. The Dean tell that the Naha were a warlike tribe living in the high mountains and descending into the lowlands to raid and to kill. They became the main foes of the Dean people and were greatly feared by them. The name Nahani itself is of Dean origins and means, quote, the river or the land of the Naha people. And this comes from Reddit. The Dean are the most well-known traditional native inhabitants of that area, claiming the land from ancient times. But curiously, their oral history contains many references to a Naha tribe, a mountain-dwelling people who used to raid settlements in the lowlands. When the Dean in the valley finally decided to strike back at their Naha rivals, they sent scouts to find the Naha settlement in the mountains of the National Park Reserve. They fetched their warriors and then laid in wait until nightfall, preparing their attack. In the middle of the night, they surrounded the, nah the Naha settlement on all sides, sneaking closer and closer, ready to strike. Once they were right alongside the teepees, they hurriedly threw open the tent flaps, weapons at the ready, and no one was inside. Complete silence. Fires were smoldering. Sleeping bags were laid out, but there wasn't a single human being around. They had disappeared completely, which is weird. Yeah. Fun fact, at about the same time as the Naha reportedly vanished, the Navajo oral histories began thousands of miles away. Hmm. Present-day similarities between local Dane dialects and Navajo language in the, in the southern United States have led to speculation that the Navajo are descendants of the missing Naha. Interesting. Yeah. These oral histories and the name itself are very important as they are certain proof that a different indigenous tribe once dwelt there. However, the Dean state that the Naha people simply vanished at one time, ceasing their raids, ceasing their raids and disappearing altogether. Mystery surrounds these so-called Naha, but no trace of them has ever been found. So far, they can only be found in stories. Could they have migrated elsewhere, succumbed to a disease, died out, or have they simply stayed in the Nahani River Valley to this very day, hiding in plain sight? Some people speculate that that might be the case. 
This mystery would likely have died out quickly, being called just another legendary story of an indigenous tribe. But several eerie deaths and disappearances within the Nahani Valley achieved the opposite results. The mysteries surrounding this place were only fueled further, and Nahani became the focus of many mystery hunters. And most of this focus was on a special place within the valley, one called the 200-mile gorge. The Dane natives speak of an unknown evil that dwells there, and few people enter the area, especially because of the events that transpired there. For it's the 200-mile gorge that gained the grisly name, quote, Valley of the Headless Men. The origins of this nickname can be traced back to the early 20th century at the time of the famous Klondike Gold Rush. At this time, many would-be prospectors wanted to test their fortunes and head out to the remote Canadian wilderness, especially the Yukon. It was known to contain gold in its river and soils, and a treasure could be made quickly by those lucky enough to strike gold. Lured by reports of gold in the area, brothers Frank and Willie McLeod journeyed from Edmonton, Alberta to the Nahani Range in 1904. Traveling with primitive gear, they traversed hundreds of kilometers by train, boat, and foot during a numbingly cold winter until they reached Gold Creek. Their efforts were rewarded that year, and they returned to their home in Fort Liard with gold in hand. However, not satisfied, the brothers made a second expedition into the Nahani Range in 1905, from which they never returned. Nothing was heard from Frank and Willie until their brother Charlie led a search team into the park in 1908, where he discovered two skeletons at their camp on the river's edge in a vast valley. Both of their heads had been severed, and one man lay with his arm outstretched towards his gun, the blankets thrown across his brother as if he had leaped suddenly from the bed. A Scottish engineer had been traveling with them, but his body wasn't at the camp, and it's never been found. Were their heads there? I think so. Okay. They were just detached just deco- from their deco- bodies? Yeah, detached from their bodies. Uh, a Scottish engineer had been traveling with him, but his body wasn't at the camp, and he's never been found. But other reports say that he was found in another city alive with a large amount of gold. Mm. So I don't know. But, you know, a lot of people speculate. Yeah, a lot of people speculate that the third guy killed the two brothers to it's take logical all their gold. conclusion. Since then, the lost McLeod mine has become legendary, and many have, have lost their lives trying to find it in the park. From here on, the mysteries deepened. Who would decapitate so ruthlessly two peaceful prospectors? And oh, maybe their heads weren't there. And what happened to their heads? Oh, so that's <laughs> a little weird. Yeah, I could see yeah, that. Why the would they are... take their heads? <laughs> I don't know. Rumors began spreading and many wild theories were put forward. Some spoke of feuding prospectors killing each other, others attributed the deaths to wild animals while some spoke of inhospitable warlike natives leaving the headless corpses as a warning to other trespassers. Theories floated around until another corpse was discovered in 1917. It was that of a Swiss prospector named Martin Jorgensen. His body was discovered decapitated next to the remains of his cabin, which had been burned to the ground. It's believed that he had struck gold in the valley as he wrote of it back home wrote back home to this people that he found gold but then he ended up beheaded so i don't know so maybe we won't go there i'm sure i'm not alone in this but i find decapitation of any kind whether it's on purpose or an act a freak accident highly disturbing yeah there is something so disturbing about that part of your body being removed and detached from your body yeah like that is just like incomprehensible to me yeah, it's like, and 
I don't get like an animal attack. Why would an animal take your head? No, that doesn't make sense. You know, it sounds like the heads were cut off. Yeah. So I don't know. Should we have done a disclaimer at the beginning no. <laughs> of this for strange? Maybe next season we'll have that. We'll make like we'll a taped a... disclaimer that we can have at the beginning. Oh, of the that's episodes. a good idea. Actually, it is a good idea. Somebody should write that down. Um. Buh, buh, buh. Where are we going here? Yeah, another corpse, Swiss prospector named Martin Jorgensen. His body was discovered decapitated next to the remains of his burnt-down cabin. It's believed that he struck gold in the vicinity as he rode of it back home before ending up beheaded. An article from the February 15th, 1947 issue of the Desert News newspaper, or Desert, Desert, Deseret, not Desert, because that is not a desert up there. It's Deseret <laughs> newspaper, titled, quote, Headless Valley Myths Dispelled, goes into depth while trying to bash all the mystery and to find logic for the murders. Most of the article's contents are unsubstantiated and guesswork. There, it is said that Jorgensen and the McLeod brothers were all murdered for the gold that they had discovered, but no evidence of this was ever found. In 1927, another body was discovered in Nahani belonging to a man named Yukon Fisher. Variously dubbed as both an outlaw or a prospector, this man was sought by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for several years before his death. The officials found his skeleton on the banks of Bennett Creek, quite close to the place where the bodies of the McLeod brothers were found in 1908. His death was never fully explained, nor was the fact that he was known to possess a solid number of gold nuggets after with which he purchased goods on the frontier. So he had a ton of gold on him that was gone. I'm sensing then in, a theme here. Yeah. Then in 1931, another body was found. This time, it was that of Phil Powers. His charred remains were discovered in the ashes of what was once his cabin. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police were quick to attribute his death to a faulty stovepipe, but their explanation was repeatedly debunked by various sources. Phil Powers, for what it's worth, was likely murdered and his cabin set on fire. Many others simply disappeared without a trace in the remote wilderness of the Nahani Valley. In 1928, one prospector named Angus Hall ventured ahead of his party and was never seen again. Another pair of prospectors, Joel Mulholland and Bill Appear, disappeared in 1936. For many years, they were searched for but never found. The only thing discovered was their cabin, which had been burned to the ground. There's a lot of people's cabins burning, being burned. A lot to of the burning ground. in general. Decapitations and burning. Yeah. A woman named Annie Lafert also went missing in Nahani. In 1926, with her hunting party, she was present in the valley near Flat River, but got lost in the wilderness and disappeared. Several months later, an Indian by the name of Big Charlie claimed to have seen the woman climbing a hill while totally naked, seemingly having lost her mind. That's just scary. Yeah, it is. She became just another of the many victims of the wild Nahani Valley. So inhospitable was the Nahani Valley that even in the 1920s, it was still unexplored. Maps of the region showed almost nothing except two flat lines that indicated the two main rivers. It would take decades for an accurate map to be created. In 1945, a miner from Ontario, whose name is now lost, was found dead, still in his sleeping bag. His head was never found. So, I mean, it's whatever the the headless stuff is going on a long time. Around that time, another trapper succumbed to the inhospitable wilderness. His name was John O'Brien, and he was found frozen stiff next to his campfire, his frozen hand still clutching a match. Did he have a head? He had a head, I guess. Okay. In 1946, Calgary geologist and mining expert Frank M.W. Henderson returned from the valley reporting that his partner, Jack Patterson, had disappeared. Henderson and Patterson had agreed to meet at a point near Virginia Falls. The first to arrive would leave a message on a large tree, which both knew from previous trips. 
Henderson arrived first and left his message before traveling into the valley. He returned several weeks later only to find that there was no message left by Patterson. Henderson and his party camped there a few days, but one night were awoken by a group of First Nations indigenous people who warned them of ghostly white figures seen moving along the valley. Frightened, Henderson left, never returned to the park again. Hmm. And people don't know if when they said ghostly white figures or moving white figures, if they meant white people yeah. or ghosts. But was the guy they were warning white? Yes. Hmm. So that's, they don't, people don't know if they meant white people or, or ghostly figures. Numerous other reports from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police confirmed similar deaths, and a good number of people have simply vanished without a trace after stepping foot into the park. Around the same time in the park's history, a series of unexplained plane crashes earned an expanse of mountains the name, quote, the Funeral Range, which borders the ominous Hell's Gate Rapids. <laughs> so I don't think you and I are going to be, nah. we're going to cross that off our, nah. our yeah. touring list. I'm good. In 1962, the pilot of a light aircraft miraculously survived a crash unscathed and set about building a camp a short distance from the place where his plane went down. He was so well equipped to survive with food, fuel, shelter, and camp provisions from the aircraft's cargo that he was confident that rescue would come within a matter of days. So he waited and wrote about his experiences in his diary. Many times he watched as search aircraft flew overhead, but none saw him. He was only six miles from his destination, although he was probably unaware of his exact location. For around 50 days, he sat alone waiting for rescue, and then he mysteriously disappeared as the diary entry stopped abruptly. Six months later, his plane was discovered by chance, followed by the camp and his diary. To this day, no trace of him has ever been found. It's an unforgiving land in winter. Uh, it's super like inhospitable. Like you don't want to, you don't want to go there. With the freezing cold and the ravaging timber wolves, this nature can claim the lives and of the, the grizzly most bears. inexperienced outdoorsmen, or the most experienced outdoorsmen. But in the warmer months, the valley transforms into a truly unique environment. So much so that many people dubbed it tropical. It can turn into a true oasis, being warm and lush with vegetation. One can even bathe in the creeks and streams, fearing no coldness. That's all due to the hot sulfur springs that can be found here. Hot springs lie all beneath the valley and give it an additional dose of mystery. The sulfur can often fill the air with an odd smell. And more than that, the combination of the hot sulfury air and the cooler Arctic air above it create thick and mysterious fog that often covers the entire Nahani Valley, obscuring it from view and creating an eerie, otherworldly ambiance. Are there, have you Googled pictures of this yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I have to do that. Yeah. Joel Hibbard, owner of Nahani Wild, a Canadian adventure vacation guide, states, quote, I once heard an Indian chief tell stories of an ancient giant who would cook his food in the hot springs. Hmm. This gave rise to tales of a mysterious tropical valley that is said to exist somewhere within the huge Nahani Valley. While there is a chance that the clash of the hot sulfuric air in the cold Arctic climate can create a unique environment, a tropical valley still seems far-fetched. Nevertheless, legends just keep springing up. Scientists, those few that ever set foot in the valley, discovered numerous remains of prehistoric animals, chiefly bones of mastodons. To that end, many people have said that these animals still live within the deepest, remote, most remote nooks of the Nahani. It is beautiful. I'm looking it at is beautiful. right now. Wow. Uh, tales it reminds of, me of Alaska. Yeah. I mean, it's Canada. Yeah. That's what yep. Canada is, right? 
Tales exist of trappers claiming that they have seen fresh tracks of prehistoric mammals and bringing back huge ivory tusks with flesh and hair still visible. Other tales state that many of the Dean tribe elders living in the area were able to accurately draw pictures of mastodons as if from memory. Hmm. So now people think that... That's interesting. Yeah, people think that it's like a Jurassic Park almost kind of place. That's weird. Later in the 19th century, UFO sightings and other strange lights were reported in the park, and to this day, fringe bloggers obsessed with cryptids recount stories of a a predatory bear-dog hybrid Bear dog hybrid? A bear dog hybrid that went extinct in the Pliocene period. Didn't know that was a thing. Seen prowling the valley as well, of course, as signs of Bigfoot activity in parts of the park. Wouldn't it be great if it were like a bear with the personality of a dog? That would be cool. (laughs) Not the other way around. Yeah. According to the cryptid wiki, a Bigfoot-like creature named the Nuckluck, or Man of the Bush, is a cryptozoological hominid reported in the National Park Reserve near Nahani in the Northwest Territories, and it was seen in between April and June 1964 by John Baptiste and several men. A group of Dane men from Fort Liard who were trapping at a river reportedly came upon the creature in April of 1964. It's described as a Bigfoot-like creature, but less ape and more human-like in resemblance. It was five feet tall and had a long, dark beard and wore no clothes. That just sounds How like tall? Five feet. Oh. That's... <laughs> Oh, a cute little, it's a cute a little, little foot. It's a cute little squatchy. A squat squatchy? That is a squat <laughs> squatchy. Um, in June of 1964, near Fort Simpson, around 9 p.m., a young boy named Jerry reported a similar creature. It had black hair on its head, upper body, and legs, and a, a, a head that was slightly pointed at the back. At the back. I don't get what that. I don't know how that That's works. That's interesting. Usually, yeah. bigfoots have yeah. like a conical yeah. head, but it goes up. It also had a long brown beard that reached down to its waist, and it wore ankle-high boots, a moose skin loincloth, and had a stone club in its hand. They're just talking about a caveman now. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> These creatures have been reported for hundreds of years and are said to have boot-like footprints and whistling calls. They have been reported from the Northwest Territories to Yukon and the and the peninsula in Alaska. Wow, I've never heard of this. Yeah. According to an article on the website Abenaki Extreme, there are also other creatures said to be there. The Nahani Valley is rich in lore and tales of mythical, sometimes macabre, creatures that feast on those who enter the region. The Nahani Valley monster is said to be one of them. It's actually a collection of creatures said to inhabit the valley, including the evil spirit. A story told by native hunters who entered the valley in search of food and who lived to tell about it. The evil spirit of the Nahani Valley is set to haunt the region and to make its presence known with otherworldly shrieks on cold and windy nights. Giants are also said to live in the valley and cook their meals in the hot springs. Prehistoric monsters are said to live there. Hunters and native trappers speak of mammoths, mastodons, and prehistoric beasts, their tracks visible in snow and creek beds. Some frontiersmen have been said to return from the Nahani wilderness with ivory tusks and flesh still attached to the bone. There's also supposedly a creature called the Wahila, which is a huge a huge wolf-like creature linked to deaths, accidents, the unexplained, and weirdness that happened to geologists and naturalists that entered the Nahani Valley with renewed interest in the 1960s. It's like their version of Mothman. Yeah, kind of. According to a blog called A Little Bit Human, it says, quote, while it's easy to dismiss the incidents of headless dead men in Nahani Valley as nothing more than early people, 
trying to explain the explainable with folklore, the legends of Nahani Valley's headless men survive today because of the continued mysterious disappearances in the area. On June 16, 2005, Rod Gunderson arrived at the cabin where he saw David Horsey and Frederick Hardesty alive just four days earlier. While smoke was still coming out of the chimney, there were no sign of the men. They couldn't have gone hunting either as they had left their firearms behind. By June 18th, authorities got involved in search of the missing men but quickly dropped it, leaving locals and family members to continue the search. They quickly found the body of David just 3.7 kilometers away from the cabin. A search team was brought in to look for Frederick, who was later found dead in the river. The authorities claimed that the two had died from hypothermia, but that doesn't explain the bullet shots that had riddled the cabin, or even without that, how two experienced Bushmen could fall prey to rookie mistakes. So that's weird that, like, what happened to them? Mm-hmm. When pressed by family members of you, the... You know what, though? Even the most experienced people can yeah, run into... Yeah, they had into... a cabin. Why would they have had... Why would they have... I still feel like the right there were, circumstances. There were, there were like bullet holes in the cabin. So oh. maybe somebody was trying to shoot them out of the cabin, but it didn't sound like they died from bullet wounds outside. So I have yeah. no idea what happened there. Yeah, the authorities claim that the two had died from hypothermia, but that doesn't explain how two experienced Bushmen could fall prey to rookie mistakes. When pressed by family members of the deceased as to whether they would investigate the, investigate the case further, authorities told the family members that they would not be doing so as a civilian search party had contaminated the evidence. Certain areas within the Nahani Valley are closed to visitors because of their sensitive ecosystems or cultural significance for the indigenous Dane people. But some people say the restrictions are as much about containing the park's supernatural forces as they are about keeping people out. In the end, no one can accurately say what is happening within the mysterious Nahani Valley. Nearly 50 people have either died or disappeared within it starting from 1908, and that is an eerily high number for just one, albeit enormous, valley. Plenty of odd facts contribute to the sense of enigma here. The indigenous Dean locals have avoided the valley for, valley for centuries, claiming that it is indeed haunted by evil. Other people state that the Nahani Valley is the entrance to the so-called hollow earth. And that's something we'll probably talk about next mm-hmm. season as the yeah. hollow earth nice. theories. True, the valley is dotted with several caverns, some 250 of them, and many of them are unexplored. However, we are quite sure that the earth's belly is rather hot, more than hollow. As far as the McLeod brothers, one theory is that they were killed by their third person that was with them that got greedy. But another theory involves a man known as Albert Johnson. And the Sofa King podcast did a whole episode about him. It's a really good episode. Like, if you're going to listen to the Sofa King podcast, listen to the one about the Mad Trapper. Oh, Lucy. Poor baby. (laughs) So about 40 miles from Nahani. (laughs) (laughs) About 40 miles from Nahani. A loner named Albert Johnson lived in a crude log cabin. Albert Johnson was a pseudonym, and his true identity to this day remains unknown. He too searched for the McLeod's lost mine. Johnson later became notorious and became known as, quote, the Mad Trapper of Rat River. In December 1931, one of the native trappers complained to the local mounted police detachment that someone was tampering with his traps, tripping them, and hanging them up on trees. He identified Johnson as a likely culprit. On December 26, Constable Alfred King and Special Constable Joe Bernard, each of whom had considerable northern experience, trekked the 60 miles, that's a long way to go, to Johnson's cabin to ask him about the the wilderness. Yeah, to ask him about the allegations. 
Seeing smoke coming from the chimney, they approached the hut to talk to him. Johnson refused to talk to them, however, seeming to not even notice them. King looked into the cabin window, at which point Johnson placed a sack across it. The two constables eventually decided to return to where they came from to get a search warrant. King and Bernard returned five days later with two other men. Johnson again refused to talk, and eventually King decided to enforce the warrant and force the door open. As soon as he began, Johnson shot him through the wooden door. A brief firefight broke out, and the team managed to return the wounded King to the place where he came from, where he eventually recovered. When Johnson was finally cornered up on Eagle River in northern Yukon Territory and the border of the Northwest Territories, the event became a media circus as Johnson continued to elude the Royal Canadian Mounted Police sent to take him into custody, which ended after a 150-mile foot chase lasting more than a month and a shootout in which Johnson was fatally wounded on the Eagle River in the Yukon. That's crazy that there was a 150-mile foot chase lasting more than a month. Wow. Yeah. These people have stamina. Yeah, so they finally got him. In his possession were found some gold teeth extracted from mouths of prospectors found dead in the Headless Valley. It might be assumed that Johnson was involved in their deaths, a theory the Mounties put on file. Hmm. So if he did this, was he was he taking the heads to get gold teeth, the teeth? out of the heads? Couldn't he just take the teeth without I don't removing know. the head? I don't know. Maybe he came across the heads and was like, yeah. I'm going to mine some gold here. I don't know. Ugh. While the headless deaths have all been confirmed by police reports and attributed to less mystical causes, the greed and rivalry that marked the gold rush era, as well as the brutal, dangerous reality of isolation in the Canadian wilderness, the lore simply remains part of Nahani National Park's mystery and allure. What is real, though, is the park's sacred mythological presence in the collective Canadian psyche, which may work to help protect the area from further mining and environmental exploitation. Nahani remains veiled in enigma. Perhaps it was the territorial Naha tribesmen who have not disappeared, who have claimed all these lives seeking to protect protect their last natural refuge. Was it aliens or Bigfoot or goats or the Nukluk? Or was it simply the harsh... Goats? (laughs) Ghosts. Oh. Not goats. (laughs) (laughs) If they had murderous ghosts or goats, that would be cool. Ghosts or the Nukluk. I mean, they will eat anything. Yeah. Maybe they ate the heads. Or was or was it to simply the harsh and inhospitable wilderness of the remote Canadian landscape that claimed those lives? And their heads? Still, harsh nature cannot behead bodies and burn down okay. cabins. And for that, the mystery remains. I'll say. And Frank Henderson, the Canadian geologist I mentioned earlier, said in 1946, quote, There is absolutely no denying the sinister atmosphere of that whole valley. The weird, continual wailing of the wind is something that I won't soon forget. So there you go. That is the Nahani Valley. Let's not go there. <laughs> it's beautiful, but it is beautiful. Like the pictures. You and with I the, would not survive. Fog. No, God. <laughs> like, unless there's some amazing resort there. I'm surprised that we can go to like a state park for an afternoon and, not and survive die. there, much less this place. But I mean, I'm not completely inept outdoors, but I'm not. I would not survive there. I'm pretty inept outdoors. I'll admit <laughs> that. That I, I think you and I, if you and I got I dropped, could start a fire if I had to. I think, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. If you and I got dropped into this place, I don't think we would be coming out. We'd be bare food. But what do you think of the Nahani Valley? Uh, I don't know if there's anything supernatural going on, but it's definitely 
I mean, I feel like that guy with the gold teeth is a suspect. Well, I, I feel sus. like I feel like the what I feel like a lot of the murders were were because of the gold. the gold. Somebody took their gold. Yeah, but I don't understand the beheadings. Like all the beheadings, it's a weird message to send if that's what was happening. It is, but if you're also this Albert Johnson and you want something you're gonna start somebody's cabin on fire and when they come running out you'll kill them sure. but was he taking their heads for gold teeth or why were the heads disappearing yeah uh i'm kind of fascinated by the people that were drawing pictures of like the mastodons like yeah. they actually had Couldn't seen that them just be handed down though through your you would think i don't ancestry. think i don't think there's like a jurassic park type no. place inside unlikely. of there where they have Although it sounds like they have, you know, Neanderthals walking around. With well, they got Bigfoot, clubs. they got the Nuck Luck. Yeah. So I don't know. There's UFO sightings. Maybe it is there. prehistoric. Yeah. There's UFO sightings mm-hmm. there. People said they have seen ghosts. It's like, yeah, the like that's why stuff Brad wanted us to do it. He said it's like missing 411 combined with a lot of it's like, like the, the Bermuda Triangle of like. Yeah. But does, does well, a lot of that stem that from the fact that a lot of it is unexplored? And yeah, I mean, who you know, knows what is the, in the wilderness? The Dane, you know, it could be a lot of the indigenous people's yeah. beliefs too of what happened there that that you know, but it's it's a interesting place. I just don't think I I don't think there's mastodons there. No. You know, if there's knucklucks, Bigfoot, if I like mean, if that's that I there, can buy. That I can buy because they're kind of everywhere. Uh the headless bodies, I don't know. I think it's just a lot of greed mm-hmm. during like the gold rush. It's just really gruesome. Yeah, but like even in 2005 when the guy went to the cabin and those two people that were there weren't in the cabin and they were found dead, like one was in the river, the other one, like what happened there? You know, that's like a missing four on one thing. It's like, what's the story? It reminds story? me of Diet- Dietlov Pass yeah. where they were chased out or scared out of their cabin and then succumbed to the elements yeah, because so they did- weren't prepared when they were chased out of their cabin. Yeah. And, and I feel like there's a logical explanation for that. Do you think that Naha tribe still lives there? Or do you think that... I think that... that's totally possible. I think that there could be people living in places that are have gone undetected for a very long time. I mean, this is... Canada and Alaska are similar in that there is so much unexplored wilderness. Yeah, but you would think with satellite technology that we would have traces that, you know, I don't if know. If we're looking... Yeah. If we're not I, looking in those places. I don't know. I, I I wonder if that Naha tribe did become the Navajo. But it, it was that weird. was an interesting It was weird to me that when the Dane went to take over their camp, like the fires were still going, the sleeping bags were laid out, and they were just gone. Mm-hmm. So did they have like foreknowledge that the Dane were coming to attack them and they just split and ended up somehow... Migrating. Going, migrating far mm-hmm. enough that they became the Navajo? Like, That's, I don't know. That seems plausible to me. I don't know. It's like a fascinating story. It's like a super fascinating place. There's a lot of interesting elements to it. Yeah. Some supernatural stuff, some true crime stuff. Yeah. So it's a fascinating place. I won't be visiting there Again, anytime yeah. soon. But Just going to have to take their word for it. I'm going to keep an eye on new stuff coming out of there just for like a future follow-up episode. Yeah. But it's pretty interesting. So that's what I got for the Nahani Valley. Nice. Brad. Thanks, Brad. I hope that's okay. Sorry that it took me so long to get to it. <laughs> His voicemail. It was worth it for part. the voicemail. It, really it was worth was. it for the voicemail, though. So the second story, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into too much why because I don't feel like she wants me to. 
But one of our listeners sent us an email talking about how this year had gone and yeah. that she lost her grandparents and stuff. And um, so her email went on and then it ended with saying, I was hoping you could do a little bit about my grandparents' hometown of Huntland, Tennessee, or Francisco, Francisco County, Alabama, as Huntland sits on the state line of both of them. Even their house does. When Papa passed, I learned he was a Freemason, and so were many of my male ancestors. Gonna have We have to do an episode about Freemasons next mm-hmm. season, too. After my neighbor died in our hometown, I found out he was a Freemason. I, I just don't think there's anything spooky. Mystical about no, it? No, I don't. We have to do an episode about like secret it's societies. It's still cool, though. Yeah, yeah secret societies So in maybe we'll do that cool. next season. Yeah. Huntland is dying out now that Papa's generation is going away. It has been around since the 1800s, I think, and a bunch of buildings are kind of haunted. Southern folks are very superstitious, and I even had a weird incident with, well, I hope it's just a bear that was walking funny because the other option is a raven mocker, and I don't want that near me. At least if it was a bear, I know what it would do to me. Anyway, I was just hoping you two could do a bit on Huntland, Tennessee. To be fair, though, I don't know how much you'd even find. It's a very small town. The closest Walmart is over an hour away. <laughs> I learned really fast that I have to have food at home rather than waste gas getting a burger. No wonder everyone down here is so thin. But hope you guys come visit down here. <laughs> the fall colors there. are here. And then she signed it and then put sent like pictures of the forest, oh, which I just looked that. amazing. It was so pretty. Yeah, like I would love to get down like Kentucky, Tennessee, mm-hmm. that area, but. So that was the email, and truth be told, I could not find a lot about mm-hmm. Huntland, Tennessee. I, I looked, like I know what the town looks like in my head now because I was looking at it on Google Maps and all that stuff. But I really like this idea, like what she did, where it, it was a place that was meaningful to her, and she asked if we could kind of just check it out. So I love doing that. Like I want to have more listener suggestion episodes yeah. because I really like that. You know, it's like a personal connection to her. Yeah. I wish there was more I could find, but there just wasn't. Uh, as of the 2020 census, the population of the town was 886. Oh, wow. So it is a small <laughs> really town. small. The town was established in the early 1900s and is named after an early settler, Clinton Armstrong Hunt. It was incorporated in 1907. The town of Huntland is a beautiful rural community in Middle Tennessee located in the Appalachian foothills at the southwest part of Franklin County. Huntland lies 12 miles south of Winchester, the county seat, 22 miles east of Fayetteville, the Lincoln County seat, 35 miles north of Huntsville, Alabama, and 100 miles south of Nashville, Tennessee's state capital. Mm. I remember driving through Nashville with my dad and Corey when we were kids, because I remember we went kind of near Graceland and that was the only thing I really remember. So this came from the ghostsofamerica.com website. I did see somebody wrote the Sutton house on the curve at edge of Huntland on the old Elora highway is built on the site of an older house that burned and consumed an elderly woman years ago. I was told this after meeting the ghost while living there. At night, I would often hear unexplainable chimes and could hold my breath and hear heavy breathing in the master bedroom. I wrote these events off as my imagination until I asked the next person to live there if they had met the ghost. The look on their face told me that what I had experienced was indeed an act of the supernatural. The new resident said, quote, you've heard it too? I went outside and ran around the house to see who was trying to scare me. 
That's creepy. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else responded, OMG, I live in Huntland too, and I always thought that house was haunted, but only a few of my friends believe me. This is so cool to know there is a haunted house in my town. I'm only 11, but I'm totally interested in this stuff. <laughs> so cool. Submitted by Ashley. So it sounds like there is at least one house that's haunted there, the Sutton House. Uh, Huntland is a rural town with a population of just over 800 people located slightly north of the Alabama-Tennessee state line. Community members wanted a new accessible playground in the town center. The Blue Cross Healthy Place at Hunland City Park is home to a fenced playground with accessible equipment for children of all abilities. Oh, just nice. It's so cool. It's yeah. like just this cute park. But it's also more than that. The space includes a basketball court with bleachers, outdoor fitness equipment, a new walking track, sway benches, additional parking, water fountains, picnic tables, and grills. What's a sway bench? A sway bench, that I think, is cool. I think sway is that like, like Low a key porch swing? swing? Like yeah, a porch maybe. swing. But I, I looked at pictures of it and it's just really cool. Like in the middle of this tiny town, there's this park. Like a you know, like a, a park, and then in the middle of that is this awesome like playground That's area. Really cool. It's really, really cool. Like I love I don't know. I love this this little town. And then I kind of looked into Francisco County too in Alabama. That's like right across the border and there's just not a ton there. Francisco is an unincorporated community in northern Jackson County, Alabama, United States. It's located on Alabama State Route 65. From an October 7th, 2015 article in a Jackson County Sentinel, called, quote, several Jackson County areas said to be haunted, the article says, quote, ghost hunting has become a favorite activity during the Halloween season. Whether you believe in the paranormal or not, visiting allegedly haunted places can be a fun experience for those looking for a potentially spooky thrill. And residents of Jackson County don't have to go far for their own ghost hunting experience. The following four places are local favorites that are said to be haunted based on the legends and stories that surround each one. So I did find a couple in the area. The first one is the Union Cemetery in Woodville. More than 1,200 graves are located in Union Cemetery with the earliest burials listed. How many? More than 1,200. Okay, wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. With the earliest burials listed in the 1830s. Legends abound that the cemetery is haunted by the spirits of Civil War soldiers buried on the grounds that, at times, visitors can hear their dying screams. Oh. So that sounds lovely. That's pleasant. That is a pretty big cemetery. Mm Mm-hmm. The next one is the Tally Cemetery in Stevenson. Tally Cemetery is located off the beaten path, just outside the city limits of Stevenson off of Highway 71. It is located off a winding dirt road past a log home and is surrounded by a very thick wooded area. It's a very small cemetery containing about 50 graves. Most of the graves have typical headstones and there aren't a lot of fancy architecture gravestones. But there is one grave of a 19-year-old girl who was an only child. The grave is a marble statue in the girl's likeness. The cemetery is said to be a very active one for spirits and the statue of the girl seems to be a focal point of activity. Also, signs of possible Satan worshiping has been oh, found great. there. But I want to kind of see like the statue of the girl. I think it's cool that there's a statue of the girl, that 19-year-old girl that died. But it sounds like that's where most of the paranormal stuff is is tied to. And the signs of possible worship, Satan worshiping, but who knows? You know, that's at, like every cemetery. Like someone there's... burned a candle somewhere. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The third one is Matheny's Bridge in Macedonia. 
Named after the owner of the local grist mill who is buried in the nearby cemetery, this bridge has many haunting stories associated with it. So many bridges Mm -hmm. are supposedly haunted. According to one story, a woman gave birth to a child in the nearby church, and this child came out evil or disfigured. Because of that, the woman threw her child over the bridge and into the water, killing it. Legend has it that the child still haunts the area and can be heard crying. That's horrifying. Another story says the mother wrecked and died on the bridge a year after killing her child. For those... Either way, she killed her child, and that's horrifying. For those that like to have physical evidence of paranormal activity, Matheny's Bridge is a great place to experiment. According to local legend, if you tie a lollipop to a string and suspend it off the bridge, the lollipop will have Bart Mike's Bart mites. <laughs> the lollipop. Wow. The Bart mites. <laughs> wow. I told you I'm having a bad day. The lollipop will have bite marks on it when you return to check it after a few hours. Dang. So there you go. Are they all claiming that it's this baby? I think so. I think it's the kid. But or... how old was this kid when she allegedly killed it? I don't know. If it was a baby, I, I don't think that's babies taking bites out of a sucker. I don't know. There's probably some possum down there that's yeah. just jumping up and trying to bite the sucker anytime somebody hangs a sucker off the right? bridge. It's like, sweet. I just, I just thought Literally. that was weird. Yeah, that is weird. And then there's the Belafonte Cemetery in Hollywood. Belafonte is a ghost town situated near the site of the Belafonte Nuclear Generating Station. Belafonte served as the seat of Jackson County from 1821 to 1859. During the Civil War, the town suffered a lot of damage and was completely abandoned by the 1920s. The only things remaining in Belafonte today are the cemetery, the chimney of the local inn, and several piles of bricks. Hmm. It's, it's, I've seen pictures. It's like a really cool ghost town kind of place. But like most of all, the only thing that's really there is this cemetery, but everybody says it was super haunted. And then the other thing I had to look up that she mentioned in her email was something called a Ravenmocker, which I had never heard of before. Sounds like a cryptid. And this comes from Exemplar.com article called, quote, Indigenous folklore tells of the Ravenmocker who steals time from the dying. That's interesting. The article says, It is said that the legends of the Ravenmocker were born of the Cherokee culture, although the stories have some variation from people to people. It totally sounds like a Native American legend. These creatures are generally considered to be incredibly feared and dangerous, and in their human form, they can be either male or female. Mm, Like a skinwalker. Yep. Although some stories instead call them a Bigfoot-type creature that can shapeshift into an old man or an old woman. While genders may vary, these human forms always appear as very old, which makes sense as they are said to feed on the hearts of dying people in order to extend their life beyond their natural years. The legends say that when the raven mocker senses somebody is dying, they stretch out their arms and fly into the air. They are engulfed in a fiery form, leaving a trail of sparks behind them as they fly. It is said sometimes they will swoop down, flying low to the earth and letting out unearthly cries that resemble a raven as a warning. When they enter the home of the dying, they are believed to be invisible to the naked eye. These invisible entities will then torture their victim both mentally and physically until finally killing them by slitting their heads. They pass from the mortal realm, leaving the raven mocker to consume their heart, but without leaving any trace of wounds or a scar. Yikes. The legends say that every minute stolen from the victims goes towards extending the life of these supernatural creatures feeding on the souls of the living. 
Some of those thought to be magically powerful are believed to be able to see these horrors even though they are invisible to other people. And it is their place in society to sit with the dying to protect them and to bring them comfort. It's like a grim reaper that's just a little extra. Yeah. These powerful medicine men and women are believed to be able to destroy the creatures merely by viewing them in their invisible form. Hmm. So that's a raven mocker. That's like, that's interesting. Like yeah, I've that never, is never, ever heard of a raven no. mocker before. So there you go. That I is don't want to encounter one. I that is what I could find about the Huntland, Tennessee. There's some good little nuggets. Francisco. Yeah. And I love that. Francisco. Like if there's a place that's meaningful to you guys, our listeners, let me know and I'll see what I can find about it. But I just, I, I love the raven mocker thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's super cool. Well. In a really creepy, in a creepy way. way, yeah, not not not. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. No, I just I think want that's one. I think that's fascinating. In a in a cryptid legend yeah. sort of way. What yeah. time are we looking at here? An hour and fifteen minutes. This is going to be a this is going to be a shorty. Uh, sorry, listeners, this might be a shorter episode. So this last story, I'm super duper intrigued by. Um. Jim upstairs working <laughs> He texted on stuff. me to ask if that was too loud. And I was like, no, this is fine. When you were right outside the door, that was a bit much. Yeah. So I don't remember who suggested we cover this because it was years ago. Okay. It was, I want to say it was shortly after our episode about strange phone calls came out. <laughs> and that was like three seasons yeah. ago. Okay. So this, I've had this written down. And I was looking for like suggestions from listeners and I found this and I knew nothing about this, but it was, it's a really fascinating story. And this is one that's kind of up my alley because you know how I am about phone calls, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like phone call stuff freaks me out. But our third and final story is about Gary Sudbrink. No idea. Nope. Not yet. So most of this comes from three different articles. The normalparanormal.com one is probably the best article about this because it has a lot of the, it has the phone calls on it. Oh, you it, can actually listen to the Yeah, phone calls? I have the phone calls. They're on your, they're on your thing we're going to listen to. So it's from normalparanormal.com and it's called Creepy Calls from a Strange Entity from a Limitless Possibilities blog called Gary Sudbring's Phone Calls and from a Data Lounge article called, quote, you are being impersonated by the other voice. A weird case of doppelgangers, mysterious phone calls, and UFOs. Oh, I'm already creeped out by that. <laughs> so, you ready? I'm ready. Just getting my hoodie on because I'm cold. Okay. In 1993, Gary Sudbrink was an Air Force captain assigned to medical pharmacy work in San Antonio, Texas. In February of that year, he planned an unannounced surprise visit to visit friends and family in Long Island, New York. Upon arriving, Long Islands. Long Islands. So yeah, he he's in Texas. He works for the Air Force. He's a medical pharmacy worker in San Antonio, and he decided to just plan a surprise trip to see friends and family in New York. As you do. As you do. Upon arriving at the airport, Gary was approached by a man he later described as looking normal and being well groomed. The man who had a clipboard asked Gary what his name was, how it was spelled, where he was headed, and other personal questions. I'd be like, yeah, no. (laughs) Believing that the man was attempting to sell him something, Gary ignored the man and just got onto his flight. Shortly after he had boarded, a different guy, also carrying a clipboard, sat right next to him and proceeded to also question him about the same kind of personal information. Gary asked this new clipboard guy to leave him alone. 
Eventually, a stewardess approached the man asking to see his ticket and told him, this isn't your seat, you need to move. Clipboard guy then moved away, but shortly afterward, he moved back up and seated himself behind Gary, where he again continued the same line of questioning. Weird. Once again, he was told to move by the stewardess. I was snickering at the name clipboard guy. (laughs) I don't know why I find that funny, but I do. Gary was rattled by these two contacts, so much that he later called his landlord and asked her to keep an eye on his apartment while he was away. Yeah, that would totally make me paranoid, actually. When he arrived in New York, he went to his parents' home. He then called his friend Mike, who he was hoping to surprise with the news that he was in town. However, Mike then said to him, quote, what are you talking about? You told me you were coming to New York yesterday. What? Mike told him that he got a phone call from Gary about him coming to New York, but that he had sounded like he had a stuffy nose and was coming down with a cold. Mike swore that he wasn't joking around, so Gary assumed that it was just some weird coincidence. Nobody had known that Gary was coming to New York, so someone making that call didn't make sense. As the two of them were talking on the phone, another call came through through so call wait, waiting. Back up. up. Yeah. He didn't give clipboard guy any of his information. Did he, he might have given him some of like the early stuff. Okay. But after he started like getting to like the personal, personal stuff. stuff. Okay. Yeah. So he might have had something to go off of. Yeah. So his friend Mike that he wanted to call to surprise, Mike said, I knew you were coming because you called me. That's weird. You called me yesterday. Except you sounded like you when had a was cold. This? What, 1993. Like, oh, it's pretty early too. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not like technology wasn't no. very far no, along. No, and that's what I kind of want to get into with like the phone calls. It's like you couldn't just Google this guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, so Gary assumed it was just some weird coincidence. So as Gary and Mike are talking on the phone, another call came through call waiting. With his parents still there in the room with them, Gary picked up the other line and then things got weird. Instinctively, for whatever reason, Gary pressed record on the nearby answering machine in an attempt to document it. So we have, there were four calls made. We have all four calls here. I'm so excited. So here's the thing. I did not, they're going to be, they might be quiet. You're going to have a very hard time hearing them. I can amplify them. Well, they're going to be quiet because I did not want to edit them at all. Uh, I was going to go in and cut some of the silences out, but I didn't, I didn't want to edit. The only thing that I edited out was a naughty word because we have students sure. that listen. There's some PG language in here. Okay. But um it's it's uh, it's going to it might be difficult to hear the voice of the other person. So you might want to put on headphones for this. But this is the first call that Gary received while he was talking to his friend Mike. Monday, February 8th, 1993 at 10.30 p.m. The duration of the call is 3 minutes, 46 seconds. So here is call number one. This. I'll tell you who it is. Hello? Yeah. Do you want to speak to him? It's Gary's son, Frank Yeah, who's this? Steven, are you playing games with me or what? Huh? Steven, if you're playing games, I'm going to kick your ass. So how long are you going to be back from Texas? Huh? You are being impersonated by the other voice. Yeah, this is you, Steven, you idiot. You're pissing me off. Jerk. I'm going to get you on... Let's see what it says. Review. One new call out of area. Is Steven out of the area? Are you going to be back from Texas? 
Wait, say that again. You are being impersonated by the other voice. Wait, hold on. Is Steven out of the calling area or what? What do you mean you don't know? He's in Queens. I don't know. Hello? Again, sir. You're being impersonated by the other voice. Oh, be quiet, Alfred. Huh? Sorry, would you see that again? Hello? Being impersonated by what voice? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, what is your question? I'll answer it. So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long? You're being impersonated by the other voice. Right. When am I coming back? Is that your question? Okay, there was a break. Hold on. You want to know when I'm coming back to Texas? Is that your question? So how long are you going to be back from Texas? How long am I going to be back from Texas? That question doesn't make any sense. Okay. I'll be coming back eventually. Um, I can't tell you when. You should know that question, the answer to the question, because you seem to know more about me than I do. You know what I'm saying? Are you an intergalactic uh, person? Are you an, a space alien? Sounds like he hung up. I can't believe this. It's he hung up, Gary. Did? See if he comes back. All right, I'll hang up. Um. <laughs> you can't. No. You can't repeat what you said Absolutely while you were listening to this, no. but you alluded to the. I would have in my pants. You would have poo pooed your pants. And I would have hung up like so long ago. As soon as that the, was as soon as the voice creepy. came on, your eyes got like ugh. That voice was. This so is like this is like the creepy. stuff of my nightmares it because is. I hate phone calls. And that voice. But. And it wasn't like a recording that was played well, over so and over again. So we don't again. know. So the the interesting thing it sounded slightly the, different every time. The interesting thing is that in this first call, there's only four different things that the creature, whatever, hello. it says hello. <laughs> and but what's interesting is it says, "Is Gary Sudbrink there?" But it stammers like it says, "Is Gary Sudbrink there?" Mm. And every mm. time it says that, it does that same thing, which mm. leads to the fact Could that it's, it's a recording. So the four things it says this first call is, hello, is Gary Sud- Sudbrink there? So how long are you going to be back from Texas? It says, so how yeah. long are you going to be yeah. back from Texas? And you're being impersonated by the other voice, <laughs> which is, yeah, like Krista said, she would have hung up like <laughs> immediately. Yeah. But it's like, that was it's, beyond it's Gary, his mom, and his dad are yeah. all there when he gets this phone call. So that's the first call. So Gary has two brothers. Stephen is one year older and Brian is five years younger. 
At the moment he received the first call, Gary thought it was his brother Stephen playing a prank on him. Stephen is not known to be a prankster, yet there was a separate strange occurrence which had happened that involved both Stephen and Gary a few years prior to the strange phone call. While en route to a wedding, also in Long Island, Stephen saw Gary drive up alongside him, making weird faces to get his attention, and then simply drove off. Even though Gary was in Long Island at the time, he didn't have a car to drive, let alone the make and model he was apparently spotted in, which was the same exact car that had been parked at Gary's residence in San Antonio. So his brother was on his way to a wedding when Gary in his car pulled up alongside him and was making funny faces faces at him and then drove off, but it wasn't Gary. He doesn't have a car like that. No. So people don't know if that's what this guy is mentioning when he says, you're being impersonated. No, it was uh, it was a few years prior to this, oh. but they don't know what is going on with when he's saying you're being impersonated by the other voice. That's weird. So that we're guessing that that means the voice that called his friend Mike to tell him that yeah. he was coming to town. That's my assumption. But then there is also this weird impersonation a couple of years earlier where his brother swears that he went driving past him making funny faces at him when it wasn't him. Yeah, that's weird. So it's just it's just weird. Um. Let's return to the night of the strange phone calls in 1993. A few minutes after the first call came in, the phone rang a second time, and Gary pressed the record button soon after he recognized that same eerie voice. So here's call number two, which happened Monday, February 8th, 1993 at 11.10 p.m., three minutes, 40 seconds long. But it is only like 20 minutes since the last call. Okay. So here is call number two. What is your question? Yes, uh, speaking. Yes. Can I answer any questions for you? Are you back from Texas? Um, not back yet, no. Let me answer. First, you tell me where are you calling from? Yeah, why don't you tell me where you're calling from? Who is this? What do you mean, who is this? You should know who it is. It's me, Gary. this question where are you calling from okay I'll be back excuse me I can't hear too well yeah it is a full moon out that's true could you identify yourself? Identify yourself. Why are you calling me? Excuse me? 
I cannot hear too well. Get on the other phone, it's better. Hold on, let me switch phones. Okay. Okay, hold on. Now, who are you? Keep an eye on the sky, he said. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Uh, say that. Repeat that again. Please repeat. Okay. Near Orion. Holy mackerel! Tonight or guess on when? The full moon. Repeat. Okay, repeat last word. I'm hearing static. Tell him I like to talk. He hung up. Holy mackerel. Holy that mackerel. Funny. That's so <laughs> creepy. So the, I don't know why, but the fact that he's talking so much quieter in this phone call yeah. and there's longer pauses and that yeah. creeps me out. So in this phone call, he says these things. He says these new things. He says, is this Gary Sudbrink? He says, are you back from Texas? He says, who is this? He says, keep an eye on the skies. He says, near Orion. He says the full moon, and he says show double of you. So it's just Which is weird. like a doppelganger. Yeah, and again, he it, sounds like a person who's in a trance. Yeah, um, but again, there are so many, so many people believe it's a that there's somebody on the other end with a tape recorder that has re these phrases recorded. But I feel like, how are you going to? It's ninety three. Right like time. if it was if it was now, you could have these on a computer soundboard and be yeah. just clicking things. Mm -hmm. But back then, you needed almost a a re people. Some people say you could hear the sound of a recorder being rewound. But mm -hmm. I've cranked up the volume. Like I don't hear a recorder, hmm. and it's like it's like I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I'm so puzzled by this. So well, the because if he varies, he, yeah, but he repeats the same things in the same way, so it he sounds does. like an audio recording. I feel being like it's played just back. talking though, because of the volume differences. Yeah, but that's what know. he says in this call, and then the the stranger called back a third time that same night. This time it's still Monday, February eighth, nineteen ninety three. This time it's eleven thirty eight. I think this has most. I think this is a lot of the same stuff. It's a three minutes thirty three seconds call. But this is the same person. Okay. Yeah, it's taking time from the talk. Who is this? Stephen, I'm gonna, you're, this is not funny, you know. Brian, it's not Stephen. What do you mean, Brian? I mean, uh, Gary. How do I know it's not Stephen? It's not Stephen. Hello? I had a uh, UFO experience in West Virginia, which you probably know. 
and I know that you're into uh, an intergalactic person. Can you speak a little louder? Sir, can you speak a little louder? Louder? Let me speak to him, Dad. I guess I don't know what. All right, I'll hang up so you can talk to me. He wants to talk to you. Okay. Hello, can I help you? Hello. Yes. Yes, that's me. Yes, could you please identify yourself? Identify. Yeah, I'm back. I'm in Texas right now. Oh, he asked me a, a question. No, I'm in New York right now. You know that. Why are you asking me such a question? Yes. Stephen, if this is you, um, I swear to God, I'm going to be pissed. Huh? I'm trying to listen to him. Who are... Excuse me? Okay. Uh, eventually, I'll be back from Texas. Uh, could you speak more? Please speak more. I guess it's not Stephen. I believe it because I'm getting static. Let me go on this phone because I can never hear on this phone. Hold on. Okay. Okay, please speak. Hello? Okay. Should I go out right now? Right now? Okay, see, I'm not sure where Orion is now, but we'll go outside. It was show double from me. Repeat that again. I just find this so unsettling. <laughs> I, I do, but at the same time, I find it cute how they're how he bickers with his, his mom and his parents are bickering. in the background. It's not Stephen, but Gary. so here's what's interesting: like nothing new is said no. in this one. Mm -mm. But what's interesting is that a lot of people. This is these are the only calls that came on that first night. There's one more call that came the second night. We'll play that next. But what people say is interesting is that a lot of people believe this is like a man in black mm. because they said in actual men in black encounters the beings or whatever they are run out of energy and it says it's it's almost like that's what's going on here is that the first call is good it's a lot louder the like second one is quieter and then it's the third one he doesn't really say much and it's like whatever is talking is running out of energy mm. so a lot of people tie this in with men in black you know, Ooh. which is creepy. The voice itself is so creepy. Yeah. So 
that those those happen on that first night. Okay. So I, in the article it says, so that was presumably the end of the mysterious phone calls on that first night. But the following evening, the mysterious caller returned. Although Gary's mother was not present for the fourth one, both Gary's father and his uncle Tom were. But between Gary's father and uncle, they both had a UFO sighting together, unlike Gary, who to my knowledge has not. So that's, but it sounds like the dad is already convinced, he like he's talking in. to like, an this intergalactic, is an this is an intergalactic person. Yeah. So his dad and uncle have seen a UFO together. Hmm. So people wonder if that's, if this is a man in black calling. Why does he keep asking for Gary though, when it's his I dad don't that know. saw it? I don't know. So those are from that first night. And here is the last call, number four, which came Tuesday, February 9th, 1993 at 1021 p.m. It is three minutes, 55 seconds long. Anyone trying to call me at that time is getting my voicemail. Especially if they use this voice. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, this is me. Can I speak to you? Can I ask why you're... Yes, can I ask why you're calling? Can I please ask... Yes, this is. Yes, that is me. Say that again? Leave? I'm staying right here. Is this a joke or what? something I've been listening to you and I've had contacts with you government interference you have please explain what type of interference Some will rise from the dark side of the moon. 
Okay, um... What branch of the government? What, uh, what should I do? or bad they hung up this just gets weirder and weirder <laughs> so that's, that's it for the phone calls uh in this call the voice says wow. it says we come to be within this planet and then it says in this planet it says to visit the many to be contacted as the same with you and then it says beware government interference and then it says government interference, visitations to be disrupted by them. And then it's something that's unintelligible that ends with the word appears. And then it says the sun will rise on dark side of the moon world. No. So that's, that's what it says. And then you mentioned that weird sound. Yeah. A lot of people think that's a tape deck or a tape recorder being rewound. But mm. I just, I don't know, Where's but I'm going to jump into the rest, the rest of this normal paranormal article. Okay. It says, quote, Ugh. the argument could be made that the mysterious caller sounds just like, well, a recording. In other words, it could be that there was no intelligence behind the voice and that it was merely a recording played on a loop. However, when I listen carefully to some of the calls, there seem to be times when the patterns of the responses appear exactly the same, but at other times they differ slightly. That's what I thought. Regarding the particular tone and style of the calls themselves, I counted 17 instances of the voice in the first call, 16 in the second, 15 in the third, then back up again to 17 on the fourth and final call on the second night. Weird. It's almost as if the caller seems to lose energy. as the, Like you mentioned during the thing, it's, it's almost like a like wind-up wind toy. toy that's losing energy. It's almost as if the caller seems to lose energy as the calls progress throughout their first night since the audible volume becomes noticeably quieter. I find it interesting how those who come face-to-face with apparent men in black type entities describe a similar characteristic in their speech patterns. The other thing worth noting is how mechanical the voice itself is. This also matches up with reports of encounters with men in black, too. People also report those entities as very mechanical or robotic, leading some to consider if they are intelligent entities at all or just drones of some sort, perhaps under control by another unseen presence. I wouldn't describe them as mechanical. Emotionless is more what I would say. It sounds like a human voice. So there's a really good... YouTube video by YouTube channel or YouTube user Pandox. So if you do a search on this on YouTube, you'll find the one by Pandox. Pandox went in and sped up that voice, and then it sounds just like a normal dude really? talking. So it sounds like it was a normal. But he said when you compare it with Gary himself, like people suspected that Gary was hoaxing this, mm. that it was Gary's voice on the recorder and somebody was playing it. But they said it doesn't sound quite like Gary, but it sounds like if you listen to the sped up voice, it sounds like a normal New York guy talking. What's what is what I keep thinking of when I hear it is when you're watching like 
some show where they want the person talking to their identity to be concealed, that's what their voice sounds like. Yeah. They're in a shadow and they're interviewing them and their voice is like distorted. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, And this, I I found this was like a tangent of this that I thought was interesting. So there's somebody named Jack Sarfati, S-A-R-F-A-T-T-I. He's a quantum physicist. Okay. Like a big time scientist guy. So when he was 13 years old, he says in his own words, quote, I was reading a book on computer switching circuits at home when the phone rang. I answered it and heard a strange sequence of clunking mechanical sounds. Then a metallic sounding voice came on the line. A cold mechanical voice is the only way I can describe it. It gave a long series of numbers that I did not understand. And then it called me Jack and told me that it was, quote, a conscious computer on board a spacecraft. It may have said it was from the future, but I'm not sure. However, that was the implication of what it said. Anyway, it told me that I've been selected to be one of 400 young receptive minds to be part of a special project, but that I must make the choice myself. Oh, heck no. The voice on the phone told... How old is he? A kid? Like 13? 13. The voice on the phone told me that I would begin to meet the others I was to be working with in 20 years. I was scared and everything in me screamed to say no and hang up. I felt a strong jolt of electricity go up my spine to the base of my skull as I heard myself say yes. I was terrified and fascinated. The voice said, quote, good, go out on your fire escape and we will send a ship to pick you up in 10 minutes. Oh my God. When I hung up, I ran like a bat out of hell and found my friend Winky, who is now a a homicide detective in Brooklyn. Winky. Detective Winky. (laughs) (laughs) We and a few other kids came back to my apartment to wait for the flying saucer, but it never showed up. Years later, spoiler when, alert, yeah, there was years, no flying saucer. years later, when Jack's mom came across the account of Yuri Geller's alleged contact by a conscious computer aboard a spacecraft, which mirrored his experience, even to the small details, she said, quote, this sounds just like all those phone calls you got when you were a kid. Sarfati said, quote, I was stunned. I only remembered one phone call. I oh. still only remember that one. Really? My mom told me that there were many calls over a three-week period. Oh, that's She creepy. said I was often walking around all glassy-eyed. Finally, she picked up the phone and listened one night out of concern for me. She, ho- she heard the cold mechanical voice talking. She told it to quit bothering me and to stop calling, and then the call stopped. But those calls changed Jack's life and his work forever. So that's weird. It's almost like hypnosis yeah. or something yeah. like that. But then oh, he became like a quantum physicist. Yeah. And so that's that's like a the weird. Fact that he doesn't remember those yeah. calls. So that's like a weird tie-in that's with this creepy. because it was kind of like the same yeah. thing with the. So basically, what do you think? What do you think of the Gary Sundberg phone calls? I don't know. Uh, I I I feel like when you hear like the voice, it sounds just like a guy talking, but somebody. Slowed it slowed down. it down, but I don't I don't see how like if the person this was 1993 right digital recorders weren't that great right uh, they were loud how there was like a how lot of was he able noise. there was a lot of silent time but how was he able to record the device back to what he wanted to say because in that first call he had. He only had four different things he said. He said, hello, is Gary Sud Subrink there? So how long are you going to be back from Texas? And you're being impersonated by the other voice. So he would have had to have been rewinding it constantly to get to the clips of that voice, which I don't feel in 93 would have been super easy. 
even if that was what was happening, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would somebody Was it do somebody this? playing a prank on him? Was it Gary himself that hoaxed all this? Did it have to do with clipboard dude? I don't know. Is that <laughs> just know, a weird coincidence? Like the, the, the clipboard dude, we have Gary's account of... As, you know, so did Gary mm. do all this? Is and this his like... friend saying that he got a phone call the day before knowing he was coming? Yeah. He could have just made that up too, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So but I don't... For what? I don't know. I don't Why? know. Did he make know. money off of this? No. Like, it's not really that well known. I've never heard of it. You know? Which so... isn't saying much, but... So I... I... I think it's a prank. I by love somebody. this kind of story. I do too. This is my I do favorite too. of all, everything we talked about today. Yeah, I love this one too. It's such a mystery, and it's weird. It's creepy. Like well, and I, her, his parents don't sound like they were involved. If it was a hoax, they sound bewildered. Yeah, you know, and people are saying was the whole family in on this prank? But like the dad taking the phone and saying, "I know you're an intergalactic person," or whatever. I think they would have come out by now too. I mean, this is yeah. a long time. This is twenty years ago. Yeah. But that that site on um, normalparanormal.com has like these clips, has the clips of the phone call. So Crazy. in the end, I don't know. I think it's a prank. I think it's somebody messing. Somebody pranking them. Yeah. But then it's just weird when you think about the Jack Safredi thing with him getting those phone calls when he was a kid. And mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm it's gonna, creepy. I'm going to slow my voice down on audacity and call you and be like, Great. is Krista there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll immediately assume it's not you because we don't talk on the phone ever. No, I hate phones. We're texters. I hate phones. But there you go. There is the story Ugh. of Gary Sudbrink and his phone calls. That's really Thank creepy. Thank you to whoever suggested that. I'm sorry that it took me three years or whatever, three seasons to get mm-hmm. to it. But it fits in perfect with the spooky phone calls. Yeah. It could have been on there. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There are three. There is the um, Nahani Valley in Canada. What little I could find about Huntland, Tennessee, and the phone calls that Gary Sudbrink got. Dang. What do you guys think? I love this, the listener suggestions episodes. So if there's something you want us to cover next season, let me know. We probably have suggestions that we, have been yeah, sitting we probably on our page. Have sitting somewhere. So we probably just remind us. <laughs> we do have suggestions somewhere. I know I've gotten messages on Instagram too about stuff yeah, we should cover. So I will try to be better with this. Uh, you too. But for now, I have one song choice. <laughs> okay. What time are we looking at? An hour and 52. It'll be around two yeah. hours. That's not bad. Do you have any questions? Yes, we have one question. Sweet. So I have one song choice for this week. And I love this band. This is like one of my all time, I think they're just like such a vastly underrated band. And if listeners get into any band from my suggestions, I would really want it to be this one. And I'm just going to tell you right now, the band is the Gaslight Anthem, and it is their song May, M-A-E. I've actually heard of this band. Seriously? <laughs> I feel like Was most of the me? stuff you talk Was about, probably, yeah. but most of the stuff you talk about, I've never heard of. They're so, they're so good. They're so amazingly good. They just came out with a new album I haven't bought yet. I have like $100 in my Amazon because I do nice. that I do that Amazon shopper panel. Oh yeah. Where every month I've send pictures of 10 receipts from grocery stores and then yeah. they send me a $10 Amazon gift card. Nice. So there's probably all sorts of so I'll probably be getting calls from like like Gary, you know. <laughs> but it is their good song. Content. It's their song May, M A E, a girl's name. Mm-hmm. But what I love, why I love this one is 
the lyric video. Like, I love lyric videos. A lot of times, like, if a band doesn't release an actual video, mm-hmm. like, a fan will release a yeah. lyric video. Sometimes it's just, like, a still picture with the lyrics on the screen. But this one, I've always just, like, absolutely loved this. So it's by YouTube user Callum Tosh, who wrote in 2012, he said, this was my final project for typography at uni. I think he's a British person Mm -hmm. because uni is so (laughs) British. It's a kinetic typography piece for the Gaslight Anthem song called May. The idea was to put across the th- the song's themes of nostalgia. The songs? <laughs> I wasn't going to I was that hoping go. that you weren't even going to mention that I said that. The idea is to put across the song's themes of nostalgia and make it seem like an old piece of film. Hmm. And it's such a cool lyric video. Like okay. there's one part in the video where the lyrics appear on like a artistic looking drive-in theater screen and there's cars there and stars up and i just love this video so much i watch this at least once a week and it's nothing like amazingly special but i think it's like so well done so here are some of the youtube comments for this video somebody writes quote absolutely stunning work combined with the song i was almost moved to tears an a plus plus would be warranted in my book Somebody else writes, quote, I love this song. It's my favorite off the new album. Touches home in so many spots. The video is also really great, too. Simple, classy, right on, good stuff, keep it up. Somebody else writes, quote, I love this song, but this video takes my breath away. One of the best music videos I've seen in a long, long time. If you don't get top grade, I'd be very surprised. I loved watching it, and thank you for sharing your incredible talent. Somebody else writes, quote, fantastic work, my favorite song by the Gaslight Anthem. This video does a song justice in so many ways, and it's just a lyric video. But then the guy came back on and said his professor was super impressed with it, so I think he got a really good grade. Nice. But that is for this episode. It is the Gaslight Anthem song, May, and it is Callum Tosh's kinetic typography lyric video. So I'll post that in the group. And our listener question was sent to us. Uh, anonymous writes quote if you met a government style genie who could tell you three answers to various conspiracy <laughs> theories oh, what would you ask them about dang jfk and would be the first one jfk is one of mine number totally one. one of mine and like i always think back i believe it was this episode but the latest season of the x-files that people seem to have really not like like it was just a couple years ago you know, like X-Files is like an older show, mm-hmm. but then they had, they came back for one season and then a couple of years later they came back and did this one last season, which people seem to hate, hmm. except for like three episodes. But there was an episode in there called, oh my God, I can't remember what it's called now. I think it was called The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. <laughs> and it okay. was a really, it was, it's like everybody said, it, I've seen it on lists as one of the best episodes of the X-Files, but it's about this guy. I can't remember what his name is. That is like kind of like, I think he's like kind of like stalking them for a little bit. And then he's like, no. Just he's, your casual stalker. Well, no, he's like, I I was with you in the X-Files. And then it's all about the Mandela effect. Oh. And then they like, they they play like the introduction of the show where he's like edited in. And they play like scenes from like classic episodes where he's edited into the scene. You know, and it, he, it's so good. Like this first scene when, when Scully comes down and, and Mulder's like, welcome to the FBI's least wanted. Like he's standing there with Mulder and he's like, you guys don't remember me? And hmm. it's like all about Mandela effect stuff. Okay. But at the end, 
this alien comes down and he comes out of his UFO in this Segway and he's like cruising around and he, it's a really funny episode and he gives Mulder a big book called The Truth. Mm. So he's paging through it and it's telling him answers to everything and then Mulder's like distraught because now he knows everything and there's like no mystery left yeah. for anything. Oh, interesting. So that's why I don't want to know everything. if ghosts truly exist. I don't want to know if aliens truly exist. Like the big mysteries, I'm okay not knowing. Hmm. But JFK, I want to know. That's one of my three is who killed JFK, who actually shot JFK. Yeah, for sure. My second one, of course, you know me, it's going to be... The Bet Sphere. What was the Bet Sphere? <laughs> that is my number two. What is the Bet Sphere and where is it right now? That's my number two. And number three, I was thinking on the drive down here, I want to know where Maura Murray is. Oh. That's my number three because that's a... Is that a government conspiracy It's not though? a conspiracy, but I'm just taking these as anything that we've anything talked about. Anything you really about. want an answer to? Like, I want to know where Maura Murray is so the family can get some rest and so that the whole Maura Murray ordeal can be done. Like, I want to know, I want them to find her so the family can be at peace and I want people to know what really happened instead of all these people that are like trying to become figures in the whole more Murray mystery. So those are my three. Okay. JFK for sure. Would you do Bigfoot? I, I was going to say Bigfoot <laughs> and aliens. And to me, it doesn't ruin the mystery. I, as long as the government declassified and was like, yes, we have bodies. Yes. We have craft that we've recovered. Yes. Aliens are real. It doesn't answer all the questions for me. It just confirms what I already Bigfoot, know. I kind of don't want to know. Like, that's one that I want to be a mystery. Like, it surprised me how much I don't want mm. answers to some of this stuff. But the ones that are more concrete, like who shot JFK? Where yeah. is Maura Murray? What no, was the best fear? Those I want answers to. Well, and part of, part of the Bigfoot lore is that the government does have knowledge yeah. that Bigfoot is real. And yeah. I, I would want to know that because it still doesn't answer all the questions. Just tell me it's real. Yeah. But they're not going to say yes, and it's also an intergalactic being or an interdimensional <laughs> yeah. being. But or you just a, want a straight up yes. I just want like someone to be like, yes, it's real. Okay. I thought that so was I'm a the really, opposite of you. I thought that was a really good question, actually. Yeah. yeah I want. Honorable mention, this is slightly controversial. Just because the theories are out there, I would want, I want the government to say without absolute certain, with 100% certainty, we had nothing to do with 9 11. Yeah, at some point we're gonna have to do an episode about nine eleven, uh, but that's like a topic I don't really want to. So hard to, to, but there's like there's like interesting like I the, I there don't, are conspiracy theories. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either. The planes really? were holograms. I don't believe oh, any of that, of that stuff. But there's some there's some screwy stuff, and one that I actually I think I want to dive into more next season because there's a lot of like. I'm not saying I'm being swayed, but there's stuff about us going to the moon that mm -hmm. to me is like, did we go when we said that we yeah. went back in the 69 or whenever it was? Like, I think we've been there since then. Yeah. But that first one. So I want to do, do an remember episode. remember that episode when we talked about that? And somebody was like, are you guys idiots? This is how many times we've been to the moon. Oh, blah, I know. Blah, blah, blah. And I know. I but still like, don't know. Like the big question is, I forgot all about that. <laughs> yes. Like yes, the big question is, did we go the first time right. when we, because was we were in such a space race. Was it staged? So I think we want to dive into that. But 9-11, I think we have to do. I think at some point we're going to have to do COVID, even though I don't even really yeah. want to get into that whole ball of wax. 
But from the conspiracy theory spin of it, it makes sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, like 9-11 stuff, I would want to know too. Yeah, I just but want there, that there reassurance. Weird, but like everything like that, there's there are weird aspects to it that make you question whether or not it happened the way that we were told it happened. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we'll, ha- we'll have to dive into at some point. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really interesting question. Yeah, good question. So I think that's it for this episode. We're over two hours now, so... I'm gonna have to go in and edit because I f- I stumbled over well, words a lot. Well, and when we take out the beginning chit chat for yeah. the maybe I won't edit Kobe it. We'll subscribers. see. I feel like the first story I stumbled a lot mm. on words. You restarted and stuff. some paragraphs. I restarted some paragraphs, yeah. so I will see. Maybe I'll edit it. Maybe I won't. We're gonna see. The next episode I absolutely cannot edit because I got to go down to Aaron and Nicole's house for birthday parties. Mm. So that one I cannot edit. So I'll try we to. We have to be on our top game. We have to be on our top game. Yeah. <laughs> have we ever been on it's our like top 60%. game? Like sixty percent. Yeah. Yeah. For us. <laughs> yep. So hopefully you guys like this episode. Like I, as much as I know Brad want, wanted us to do the Nahani Valley, which I find fascinating. Yeah, it was like, really good. I love the phone the Gary call. That <laughs> took the top. But one. that's just me. Like like that phone call stuff. Phone call. Yeah. Anything with phone calls and me is just like. Well, and the fact that we got to listen to the phone yeah. calls that really got me. Yeah. Um, so let us know what you guys think. Just super curious. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to dive into a side sessions that I'm super duper excited about because this is one of my things. Like anybody that knows me knows that I love this stuff. I talk about on the podcast how much I love this stuff. So we're going to be getting Yachty. We're going to be yep. getting Yachty on the side sessions. Yachty. Not to be confused with Yeti. Yeah. No. That I could talk about for days. Yeah. But not Yacht. But not, not so much not the Yachty. Yacht Rock. Not, not Yacht, Yacht Rock. Rock. No. <laughs> so. I'm going to do it for at least a half hour though. <laughs> oh, I got, I have 15 and then I got a bunch of honorable mentions. Like I could talk about Dang. Yacht Rock until my eyes bleed. Ooh. That doesn't really make any yeah, sense. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just snorted right into the microphone too. <laughs> so I think it's time to go on this one. So thank you guys so much for listening. We absolutely love don't you guys. Don't forget the deets. Oh, I suppose. If you, got, if you guys like us and want to email us, <laughs> you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Instagram where Krista does an amazing job at The Strange Sessions. You can send postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And the last thing we got I'm actually looking at right now is our cute little Fresno Nightcrawler from so Jeremy. Cute. Thank you so much. You can call our lonely phone line and yell at me for not talking about your story on the air at <laughs> night and then say hi to Krista at 920-443-9602. And you can send listener stories to our Gmail account that I'm going to hope to get back into one day at the strange session stories at gmail.com. Just do the password reset. I will, but I just always forget to do it. Mm. We're going to run a tight ship next season, boy. Oh yeah. We're going to really. The, this, these first seven seasons, we're, we're just, we're just, yeah, our, just, practice. just practice. Next season is going to be grandiose. Oh Yeah. So, but get ready. Yeah. So buckle in for it. We have all kinds of sponsors. Yeah. It's going to be magical. So our sponsors will all be like edit podcast editing services because they just think we need the help so bad. Maybe we should start taking some of those people up that email (laughs) us to help editing the podcast. Like, nah, we're we're okay being mediocre. Maybe they're onto something. (laughs) So from Krista and I down in the strange cellar we absolutely love you guys and we will see you soon but until then stay stay strange. strange